cold open question to open the December 26th post-Christmas edition of the Just Basketball Show, Brendan Clean. There's a movie out in theaters right now called Ferrari by the by one of our greats, Michael Mann. Adam Driver playing Enzo Ferrari at a critical, traumatic, complicated moment in his life. I ask you this. What basketball figure would you like a year in the life movie made by with the craft of this? Not like a whole biopic that can be really hard to track everything, right? A year in the life. Who who is that basketball figure you'd like to see a movie made about in that way? I think you'll be not surprised to hear this, and anyone who's kept up with our show will not be surprised to hear this. My answer is Pat Riley. Yeah, that's that's the I easy just, one. That's the dub. Yeah. What? So what? I mean, Pat it's, Riley? it's also a, a a good looking Italian man. Like it just everything kind of lines up there. It's perfect. But what? And he's, what? Do, do, you, do you want like Lakers Riley? Do you want Knicks Riley? Do you yeah. want like Heat Godfather Riley? Because if I if it's me, I want I want the Riley that is the the executive of the Miami Heat the first year of the Big Three. And I want to end the movie mm. with them losing the finals, but I also want to be able to do the scene where, as far as we know it, as far as legend goes, LeBron and all of them went to him and was like, "So when are you going to coach the team, my guy?" And he like stood up for Spo. I want, I want to like get that scene, like the the proverbial putting the rings on the table scene. I want that. I want to put that on film. I want the year that he transitioned from the Lakers to the Knicks, where. Mm just the godfather offer that the Knicks were forced to do. You could also do the same thing when he jumped to the heat. Any of the times when he transitioned and asked for more and more and got more and more power and became this more prominent guy in league history, in the NBA, like power hierarchy, that's the, that, that feels ripe for like a movie of this dude just somehow against like kind of against all odds although obviously he keeps winning just accumulating power that feels like you know a lot of these guys it's like they're just kind of basketball nerds who work their way up but if you give me pat riley power grab pat riley i think that could be adam driver leading man worthy for sure yeah, just let Adam Driver like do all of these. I would watch him do all of them. Um, Adrian Brody also think a pretty good young '80s Pat Riley, so I'd, I'd you know let him take a crack at it if he wants. R.I.P. Winning time. Uh, my answer to this is Red Auerbach. I think you could do a '60s period piece at a time when control over organizations was so much more singular in some ways, right? Like like, mm-hmm. like guys just had iron claws of organizations. The other way you could go with this is to do like, it'd be really hard to pull off tonally, so I don't really even think this is a great idea, but go like the opposite way. Like give me like the year Wayne Embry like created, ended up being so bad at his job that they created like the, the rule that you couldn't trade two draft picks. Mm-hmm. Or the Stepien rule, excuse me, Ted Stepien, the Cavs owner, Step like go in. the opposite way. Yeah, do you go the opposite way. And do a spoof of someone who's just so inept at their job, and like treat, it's too deep lore. Too. You got to have yeah. some, but you got to bring the. You want to sell tickets to this thing, Chris? This is not who's, a you know the on pl- the NBA so app. We, we 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 both went. That's true. We both went executives. Who's the player? I mean, Jordan. We've seen Last Dance. I don't really feel like a need for that unless it's like Wizards Jordan kind of like Kobe would be one. LeBron. You could do players' LeBron, lives are just not that interesting. They just unless they're magic. Travel the really country on planes. That he gets mad about. Yeah. I mean, they just, they don't really do exciting stuff. So that's, I, I'm, I'm always going to defer to a coach, an owner, uh, an executive, but there's a lot. There's a lot. We could probably come back to this later and find even more. 
I look forward to Adam Driver making this movie. All right, coming on today's show, we've got some questions for you coming out of the NBA Christmas Day games. Five questions, in fact, after the NBA's Christmas Day slate. Welcome into the Just Basketball Show. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars only. Subscribe on YouTube um, and hit that notification bell. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, X, all of your social media platforms of choice. I want to tell you about our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a DFS player plot prop platform where you can pick more or less on your favorite players across multiple sports, including the NBA and NFL. Sign up today, code just basketball, all one word, and Thrive will match your first deposit up to $250. That's pretty darn good as far as opening deposit offers. Go, can't find a better one, dare I say. All right, we have five questions, five big questions for you coming off of the NBA's Christmas Day slate. A day, Brendan, that I, I want to ask you just first, anecdotally in your life, did you find people maybe were as actively engaged with this on a day where we also had three NFL games? Do you think that has... I'm curious to see like what the discussion around that will be because now the NBA has like some real competition on this day. And I, I in my personal life, I had to like get some people in my life like hey guys like partially for my work but also because like i just like basketball can we just like put on the nba games that'd be cool yeah the nfl games were on at my gathering as well one thing i'll say is um that's not gonna be the case forever because when christmas lays lands on a different day Mm, true they won't do games Whereas the NBA can just do it whenever. So that's not like a permanent thing. I think that was more opportunistic than anything. We'll see what they do if it's like a Thursday. Do they schedule like make six teams play on a Thursday? I'm not sure. I would imagine, unsurprisingly, outside of the Peacock game, the NFL will slam the NBA in ratings this weekend. That's just inevitable. I would say as long as the NBA can can at least stay flat, they'll probably be fine with that. But... Yeah, it's weird. I mean, the NFL is is a is a Voltron taking over the world, but no, I mean, I, I don't really know a lot of basketball fans. That's one of the weird things about my family and even like friend group is I, I don't have a bunch of NBA heads that I'm like constantly texting with. I know Suns fans locally in Phoenix, but there's not a lot of people in my life where I'm like, what do you think of the uh, Mitchell Robinson injury? You know, I, I don't have those conversations. That's they're missing out, I would say. They are. I mean, it's an interesting conversation point. But no, instead, we were watching uh, the Chiefs roll over against the Raiders in a, a terrible football game that really didn't even deserve to be watched. But somehow 20 million people will tune in because of the NFL shield. I, I don't get it. But, you know, screw them. All right, let's go into, Brendan, our questions. You sh- lead us off. What's question number one? So I think the biggest thing coming off of the five games we saw one of which I was at, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. is the Boston Celtics taking care of business and continuing to just look like a force to be reckoned with. And so my question to you about that team coming off of a pretty handy, easy win against the Los Angeles Lakers on the road is are the Boston Celtics to you right now 
at the them versus the field level as an NBA championship favorite? No. I don't think I'm there with them fully. I think they are the best team in the league. I think that they are fully capable of actually winning the title this year and getting over that hump. I think they're the team I would definitely pick in the East. I, I like just like them, and there's some Bucks who we can get to that still holds me up on on the Bucks a little bit. But I don't think the Celtics are just a runaway title favorite here. I think the Nuggets are there. I think the Nuggets still might be my personal pick when they're all healthy and humming. Like I, th- that team is just at a at another level. I think there are still to me, Brendan, some variance built into the Celtics that gives me some pause in terms of how things can still just go awry for them at times the, the variation of what they can do but to, to their credit like I think Porzingis has been such a great ad for them he was awesome on Christmas like what is working for them does make me feel like there's something different here that is not exactly the same old same old Celtics but am I just saying it's they're far and away the favorites versus the field I am not quite there with them are you is that is that the origin of this question is that you are there with them in some way they feel they kind of feel there right now but I agree with you if I were to project forward I don't know if I'll feel that way in April but if you were to just kind of reset the the odds where we just kind of operate in a complete vacuum and just take into consideration the first two like nine weeks of the NBA season that we've had now I might say that they're like you know minus 100 and everyone else is you know no higher than like plus 100 or something like I might truly be there because this team just they have concocted a roster that finally I think kind of puts to rest my concerns about them because they've just they're just so much talent more talented than everybody else you know what i mean and i i can't remember who it was somebody compared them to the 2004 pistons which seems like a weird thing to say about a team that has a jason tatum has the depth that they have when we don't really think of a lot of the bench guys on the Pistons and obviously that team it was kind of the beginning of what would ultimately become a pretty long run whereas Boston it's like we just have such a history with them but to me they really are the modern version of that team because they are just so complementary and balanced and defensively it just feels kind of like an impossible task a lot of the time to get anything going against them so they don't have a lot of holes their overall top two you know like one to seven talent just feels a lot higher than everybody else and you know just that lakers game to me it's like the only times they had to sweat were when the lead got below 10 like that sure. qualified as like a panic. And the Lakers are not like the class of the NBA by any means. It's effectively a 500 team right now. But I just haven't really seen them have to struggle. And when I kind of zoom out, it's like, well, what more do I need to see? I, I think that they have proven the most through the first couple months. I think that everything you said is true. I, I don't want to say that I don't agree with that. Right? Like I, I think everything you're saying as far as what you're getting at, I think is absolutely true. There's no doubt to me that that is accurate. And I think particularly the, like just taking care of business against the Lakers, 
Like that is something. There, there's some Lakers stuff we could hit on if we wanted to in the news right now, just with D'Lo going to the bench and they gave Vincent injury concerns. Like that team's in, in certainly in a weird spot right now in their own right. Yeah, I'm not saying this because they beat the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that win still counts for like it. It means something. It's not like they like beat the Pistons. You know, it's like that. There's at least like some name value in beating the NBA Cup champs, lest we forget that the Lakers are NBA Cup champs, burning clean. I have not forgotten, but I'm just saying. Just wanna, yeah, so I'm let me, talking let me bigger add, picture than just that game. I, I know. Like the I, fact that I, they I beat a team that was missing Gabe Vincent is <laughs> not why I uh, <laughs> no, for sure. asked I you I'm if they're the favorites. The, I'm, I'm saying some of this in jest. So who, if you let me let me ask you this, who would be closest to you? Who's like number two? If you had to say like I'm picking someone in the field that and putting a name on them, who would that team be? Well, so right now the odds at BetMGM feel pretty out of whack to me, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, the Celtics I, I are at the top. Yeah, the Celtics are at the top. Uh huh. The Nuggets are plus four hundred right behind that. That feels right. Um, the West is very packed and again going to be very matchup dependent and home court dependent and everything else in the postseason. But you can still say that. But also, I don't think there's really anyone else in Denver's tier, so that makes me feel pretty comfortable about them. Uh, the Bucks are right there behind that. And then the Suns are still very, very high, which we'll get to later on. Not That does not feel smart to, to put any money on right now. The Sixers are way down yep. at plus 1,400. So the, the Sixers are basically even with the Celtics in terms of net rating right now and struggled through their own loss uh, on Christmas without their you know MVP candidates. So I, I don't take too much stock from that. But I, I think it has to be Denver. I just think if you're talking about the only team that you feel is equivalent to them, having to also go through an entire playoff bracket in a tougher conference, I think Boston, to me, is significantly ahead of both Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Denver is a question mark because of all of the wins that they would have to pile up to even play Boston. And mm-hmm. I think Boston matches up pretty well against the Nuggets. So when you add all mm-hmm. of that up and the fact that we really haven't seen them struggle much against really anybody, you know, they, they lost to Minnesota in a pretty interesting game at one point. Maybe that's something you could try to read into as a weakness. We know the Heat play the Celtics well, but I just think it's kind of staring us in the face that this team does not have many weaknesses and has proven everything that they possibly have needed to prove and could maybe make a a small trade to get better on top of all of that. So that's kind of my thinking. I think that's all correct. You're almost convincing me here that maybe they are that far ahead because I think everything you're saying is correct. There's something in me, though, that is just nagging at that maybe this is a more even field to some degree. And even if there are teams that... I think whether you look at the betting odds or not, that I'm a little skeptical of, uh, you know, I'm looking at you Clippers still, I'm looking at you, the, the Phoenix Suns, I'm looking at you, the Milwaukee Bucks. I still feel like there's just the possibility that there's not one overwhelming favorite by the time we get to the end of the season. That is kind of where I came into the season. So maybe I just need to check my priors to some degree and think, okay, this isn't as open as, as, as maybe I was projecting out to be. And maybe Boston is that good. And, and I will, I will also just say this about them. I think their roster construction is pushing the limits of modern stuff in the best way it possibly can. Like the guard play, the fact they still have big wings, the fact that their centers and their bigs can do what they do and they're still just humming along without like a real traditional shot blocker and and all that stuff. The fact that they've really adjusted this roster significantly 
you know, while still keeping their big pieces in order is a real testament to, I think, what that team has done and how all in they are. And that in itself is just like, I think they're going to be capable of adjusting in the playoffs in a way that maybe we didn't see before. You know, I think there's going to be games where like Porzingis is like absolutely like the most important player on the floor for them in a playoff game. And I don't know if I thought that coming in, but I, you see what he does for that team. And it's a really big deal. And like, you know, Drew Holiday is probably going to have like some bonkers defensive moment when the game matters. Right. Like that, that's kind of mm-hmm. where, where things are at with them. So I mean, I they have a, right. they have a six, four power forward in Drew Holiday. Their <laughs> yeah. shooting specialist is seven foot two. In uh-huh. Chris Tapp's Porzingis. The guy they who runs old, the majority of their offense in crunch time is 6'8". You know what I mean? It's, a, it, it is a 40-year-old Dominican man who flusters Joel Embiid by by all accounts somehow every single time they play against each other. And he he played well. He's He's been solid for them. You know, he blocked a three in this game. Um, so, yeah, I just... Uh, they are first in net rating, as I said, third in offense, third in defense they don't force a lot of turnovers on defense is like the one thing but they've always been that way they just don't play that way so that's not a hole that's a choice I just think they are uh they're right there and Porzingis the dimension that he adds like you said is kind of maybe the the last missing piece and obviously what Holiday gave them and and everything else uh they are on pace for 65 wins and it has been a topic of conversation online about how many all-stars the Celtics may or may not have and specifically whether Derek White is one which is kind of a Meaningless debate, in my opinion, but how many All Stars do you think they'll have? Probably. That's my question. Probably because if it's white, two? it's four, right? That's the underlying thing when people are, are debating on Twitter and on Reddit and wherever about Derek White making the All Star game. Is it's like to me, Tatum and Brown and Porzingis seem like they would be ahead of him in yes. terms of vote getting. So if you're saying he makes it, you're saying that they get four. Do you feel like that's possible? I I love Derek White. He's the captain of the the team that I'm I'm just claiming, which is the All NBA Ball team. He's the captain of that team. He's the, the unleash the power of the ball, Derek White. I don't think he's an All Star. I think he's awesome. I don't think he's gonna make an All Star team. That feels a little. I'm looking up his stats right now. That he's averaging like like he's having a great year. He's averaging 16 and 5.2 assists, and he's shooting well from three and all. I, but it, that I guess are we getting into like. How like is it like I guess if Kyle Korver could seek it like I don't know maybe but I just I don't see it I think like some people would have to be injured for that for that to be the case. Well, you said two, so who who are you I mean, leaving I, I, off? I mean, I could I could see a world where Porzingis just like if he gets hurt again or something, you know. I mean, you cannot resort to injuries. Don't do this. This yeah, is not good okay. podcasting to say that somebody's going to get hurt. You want to hurt Porzingis? You want to go kneecap at, him no, or something? No, we in I'm for a Nancy the, Kerrigan situation? I'm looking at Porzingis' numbers versus other guys in the East. I think you can make a really compelling argument that the only guy better than him in the East among bigs this year in terms of effectiveness for the team is Embiid. Like, could you make that case and I think feel not crazy about it? Like, Bam's missed a bunch of time. Like, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley have been blood. Mitchell Robinson's now hurt, and he was, like, obviously not shooting well despite having, like, the the world's greatest offensive rebounding rate. Like, you could, I think, make an actual case that aside from Embiid... He's like this quote unquote center. I mean, Giannis is kind of in, is in his own category. So, like, I don't really, I'm not mm-hmm. even thinking of him in this. Um, can I tell you, real, can I tell you who the, who are, as far as centers in the East go? Can I give you a, a name who's somehow very high up in EPM that I didn't realize until I just looked at this? Sure. Goga, Goga Batate. <laughs> All star. 
I'm, yeah, I'm down. Plus 3.9. He's 0.1 behind Porzingis. Here's the East centers in terms of EPM for whatever that's worth. Catch-all stat from Dunks and Threes. Embiid, Porzingis, Batate, Kevin Love, and Miles Turner. And then Bam, then Mobley, and then Isaiah Hartenstein, and on and on it goes. Daniel Gafford's up there as well. All right, so if Boston stays on this three, pace... Three. I'm going to say three All-Stars. Three. If Boston stays on this pace, I think that they will be in legitimate consideration for three or four All-Stars because if we still are having conversations like this about how they might be the clear favorite kind of hiding in plain sight, if they maintain a mid-60s pace for wins, those are the types of teams that historically get that many All-Stars, even with how crowded the league is now. I don't think Jalen Brown is a lock. Mm. He is not shooting great still, just having a pretty average Jalen Brown season, but because of the value that those other guys have to this team and his inefficiency at times, you know, whether you look at all all encompassing kind of box plus minus, estimated plus minus type stats or just look at his kind of raw numbers, he might be the one to get lost in there. But uh, more of an interesting conversation kind of put a a, you know, mile marker down conversation than anything. Well, let's go to question number two which is coming off of Jaime Hawkins's 30 point game at home in a win over the Philadelphia 76ers. Chris, did the Miami heat win the Damian Lillard trade? No, I still think they should have just traded for Damian Lillard and went and got the adult superstar to pair Jimmy Butler, who is old and make this team like a bona fide, like Uber title contender. I think Jaime Hawkins is awesome. You know, this I have been, uh, openly pondering what a Donovan Mitchell trade may look like for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I have I am trying to squeeze Hawkes into fake Miami Heat trades, even though like I I've our friend Wes Goldberg has told me that's that that Miami say no to that, and I'm just like I'm like, but can can you say yes? Would be my question. I I think they still should have just like traded for Dame. I still think this is a team that is should be in the market to go just make an all in star trade. They're a team that can go find other guys to step up. They have the best coach in the league. They have Jimmy Butler. You get another star. This team has a better shot, I think, of competing against Boston. I think, like, maybe not giving up all the chips in that sense is a win. If they could have done it, and and certainly just Milwaukee just went and threw everything at the sun and the moon, right? So maybe, like, there's no way you could do that. Maybe you can't do these star trades without just going all in. Maybe that's just where the market is for some of this. But this team's good. I still think they should have just done it. I, I think you sometimes can overthink this and be cute with it. And I think to, for my taste, they're so a little bit cute, but I get why they did it. Um, and I do think this team's going to be like, I, I, there's a very clear world still, even without them making a star trade, Brendan, where like game seven in Boston is like an absolute like, <laughs> like knuckle thing. Cause they just seem to always have that in them. You know, like we shouldn't doubt that at this point that there's something there with them, even if, like they don't have maybe the star power to go toe to toe with Boston in that capacity. Well, this the 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 thing you said about how many cents on the dollar would have had to be given up is where I go. It's not so much would this team have been better with Lillard or not. Sure, it's more so if they have Hawkes now. How good can he be? And if he is now sort of at least as they see through his development over the next couple of years, somebody that's sort of off, off limits, untouchable. Can he be part of, is he part of their core? 
do we like is he good enough now that you're adding like as crazy as this might sound i'm just sort of talking through it but guys like this if if they're doing this this early even as older rookies that tends to mean like they're probably on their way to fringe all-star type of ceiling right like i saw this in phoenix with cam johnson he was an older rookie you start to kind of build in expectations like, all right, of course he can hold his own on defense because he's the same age as these guys. He's physically matured and developed and reads the game because, well, he's been playing it longer. Okay, whatever. But then it's like you start to see the next kind of steps happen. Scoring 30 points against a good team, even without Embiid, the versatility that he did it with, he didn't just get hot from three. He can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can drive. He can pass. He can post up. It's like that that stuff is not an accident. That's not just because of his age and his maturity. So the hypothetical would just be like, are you now adding to a core of Butler, Bam, maybe Hero probably has to go. And then like Hawkes is sort of maybe part of your long-term plans now and you're adding to that. You might not get a player the caliber of Damian Lillard, but what if you do get a Donovan Mitchell or... I mean, I don't really like the Zach Levine thing. Probably not where I would go, but somebody a step down, but Hakez now gets you to kind of be better than the sum of your parts, and maybe long-term, that's a win in terms of roster building. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's yeah, that's right. I still think I just... I want to see the version of this team that does just go into star overdrive around Jimmy again while Jimmy is at the age where it doesn't feel like a totally crazy thing. Because we are... Like, maybe Jimmy Butler is just going to, like, be really good until he's 50 years old out of spite. Like, wouldn't shock me if somehow Jimmy Butler has that in him, but he's 34. He misses time every year. I don't know. Like, how many years can you depend on Jimmy being... Jimmy Butler, all caps, guy that you know is just going to drive you. And that, that I want a little more certainty for this group. And maybe this group seems to thrive on the uncertainty of their situation, right? This group seems to thrive in uncomfortable situations. This team and organization pulls out stuff every year that surprises us. I mean, Hawkes is that, but also like Duncan Robinson's resurgence this year has been surprising and how he's playing and what he's doing. It's a different evolution for a guy that was in a really weird spot in his career, like, a year ago, six months ago, right? And they've evolved him into being something different. As you as you said, like this team has been really good anyway. And Bam has not, like Bam has played twenty games. Bam has not been as healthy as you as you might have liked. Their defense really struggled for the, the time he was out. And they're still pretty good, and they're still getting wins, and they're gonna be there. So I think in practice, like their principles are right. And I went and googled like what their offer was just to remind myself as far as like what we understand it to be. It was here. It seems like did the you best find of, eight different articles that said eight different things because that's what it felt well, like. Yeah, that that is true. But like the Barry Jackson, Miami Herald, so someone that we know is like let's say plugged into that orbit and has a good feel. I guess like like I don't want to use a certain word I almost used, but hero two first and then a contract. So it's like they weren't really willing to like. It seems like they were they're trying to have their cake and eat it too a little bit with this, which I understand. But maybe that's. Maybe that maybe there's some prudence from other teams that maybe maybe the lesson here is Brendan that maybe t- other teams that are going to go trade for stars or have traded for stars should look at this and say okay if we're going to do this again we can't do everything and for the sake of just doing it maybe other teams have to and maybe Miami doesn't maybe there's the difference 
but maybe it's not worth well, it. But they didn't the get him. Of- so I don't think that proves that they don't have to because they, in the end, no. they didn't get him, right? So I think kind of it's like maybe you right. actually do have to give everything because they did not get but the player they- because they didn't right. want to give everything. Until until we get to a world where like honestly like can we I, I know that we've seen it a bunch but like keep bucks in the playoffs this year feels like it would just feel it would feel right. Well, okay. So speaking of lessons, and then I think our next question actually, well, no, we have we have Nick's later on, but lesson about Hawkes to me. The more that I've thought about it, one I think the NBA just loves to underestimate and undervalue older drafted draftees, right? Hundred, hundred percent. And the fact that we the, just the fact that we're saying someone who's twenty two years old who will turn twenty three in like two months is old, and I'm putting that in quotes is is wild. Like the fact that yeah. that that is what you deem an old prospect now is actually kind of crazy. Well, I mean, they can only be that's the oldest they can be. I know, I know, but it's just like the way that, that we didn't about, change like, college, tw- but like no, yeah. but it's like the fact that like a YouTube like a twenty two comes to the draft and it's like oh that's a finished product that's insane like that's insane yeah. Yeah, I mean, whether it's Desmond Bain, uh, Mikhail Bridges, I just talked about Cam Johnson. I'm sure there's a million examples that aren't coming to mind for me right now. Like, even guys when they're a sophomore, like their stock takes a hit. It's like, it's it's silly. But the other part of it is the Heat playing, embracing and being comfortable playing slow, I think has helped him a lot. And... I think it is part of their kind of special sauce of what makes them be able to develop types of players and and just individual guys that other teams cannot. Not to say that the difference between a fast team and a slow team is all that strong, but they're consistently bottom five in pace. And they're able to have, you know, could Jaime Hawkins have made decisions and fit into a system at the light speed that Sacramento plays with? I don't know, right? And like Denver kind of has this advantage too, where when you're so methodical and comfortable with scheming and scripting out what you're doing, you allow guys to kind of learn at a different pace and impact the game in different ways. And I think he's really benefited from that. And I think it is a testament to their drafting that they kind of knew, hey, he might not fit everywhere, and maybe other teams were right to undervalue him. But here, he's going to fit right in. So I, th- I think he's been huge. I, to give my my firm stance on the Lillard thing, I do think there's a world where they can go get somebody 20 percent worse than Lillard, get a lot out of Hawkes as he continues to develop, and maybe keep their title window open longer than if they had made the Lillard trade. Like I think that 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 could happen and maybe speaks to some of their hesitance to go out and and swing for the fences once they maybe realized how stubborn Portland was being about all of this. Uh, So long-term, it might prove to be the right thing, but I think your point about Butler is totally reasonable. It's not like he's going to be in his prime for the rest of Bam's prime. You know, there's different windows that they're operating within here. So uh, where's Hawkins in your rookie of the year rankings right now? Probably competing for third with a lot of other guys. I still think Chet and Vic Is are Chet, gonna pace think, the field. Yeah, Chet feels like he might be one. Chet's been the favorite for a while. Betting wise. Yeah, and I stuff. know I yeah, it's just even in terms of like hype now, I feel like the, the vibe around Chet is just getting it's growing. The the Chet hive is I think growing and it doesn't help well, that the Spurs are stinky. 
Vic should blame Pop for not winning that trophy if it if it doesn't happen because uh, it it is on that coaching staff more so could've, than Vic, I would say. Could have could have got him a single point guard, and you know things might have worked better. Coulda. Question number three. You ready? Yes, sir. Is it time to panic with the Phoenix Suns? So why, I feel like I should ask you this because I I have been like like I texted you about this the other day. You mm-hmm. you have some stuff you can run through, but I feel like I should ask you this because you are the resident Phoenix Suns expert on this podcast, Brendan. And like some, where where like not saying you you form all of my opinions on the Phoenix Suns here, but you are my guiding light when it comes to Phoenix Suns basketball and how to feel about these things and understanding this organization. So I asked, let me turn this on you. Is it time to panic about the Phoenix Suns? It won't be fully time to panic, maybe capitalize the P in panic until Beal is back, right? Like there's always going to be that caveat that you can throw in there that the players can have in the back of their minds, just sort of that saving grace that they can look for, look toward. But outside of that fairly small thing, yes, it's time to panic. Um, because I know maybe not everybody was awake when the Suns and Mavs were, were duking it out near midnight Eastern, uh, but I was there, and it was a continuation of, of a lot of the things. I think that they took some step for, steps forward on Christmas. I wasn't, you know, there's a world where they got blown out by 30 in Sacramento. If you told me Luca put up 50 and 16, I would have thought maybe the Suns just lost by 20. So the fact that they were competitive, kept pace offensively, okay, you can probably hang your hat on that. We're starting to hear some more direct sort of comments and not so veiled barbs at teammates and whatnot, which I think actually can be healthy. Maybe you can correct me if I'm looking at that through rose-colored glasses, but I think a guy like Devin Booker kind of speaking out against mistakes and stuff is is necessary to get out of a rut like this. So you saw that last night. But they collapsed again in the fourth quarter. The defense looks like it doesn't really have any answers. It's not even about like it's just been bad. It's like I'm not really sure what makes it better. And offensively, just being like 10th, which has been kind of their peak in the season, it's just not going to be good enough. A team that's 10th on offense and like, 17th on defense that that's not a championship contender especially one that is just lost a lot of the time on both ends regardless of what the stats say that they are so if you've watched this team lately and i'm sure people hadn't really seen the the ugliness until christmas because they were playing a lot of bad teams and games that didn't matter you might not have realized it but things are bad here in in phoenix it it is getting to uh kind of panic mode i think a little bit here yeah, then like what you had what Woj said on TV about Durant to me was that that to me was just like, are we already here with this? Like, is that where this has already gotten? I don't know what to do with. I don't really know what to do with that fully, frankly. Like, what was your reaction to that? And what to say what that is, Adrian Wojnarowski went on ESPN and said basically that Kevin Durant is aware of was kind of the framing that he used, the limitations of how to improve this roster. I can, and I, I can I can read you exactly what I pulled it up. I can tell you exactly what it. he said. Quote, 
You talk to people in Phoenix and around the organization, they can feel the frustration with Durant. Part of that certainly is the missed games for, for Beal. This team was built around those three stars. The underwhelming supporting cast that comes from those massive trades for Durant and Bradley Beal that really gutted the organization and left them having to sign a lot of minimum players to fill up the payroll. And then the understanding that the Suns lack the assets, the draft picks, the trade capital to go out and really improve this team. This is something you're going to have to manage in Phoenix with Kevin Durant. You've seen it before. It's a stark reminder of how short a window and how this team has to win big and they have to big win big very quickly based on how it was constructed and having Durant still playing at an all-NBA level and a healthy Kevin Durant. There's a lot at stake for this organization. It's got to change soon. Here, here's just like what I don't understand about this. You're not like just going to like firing Frank Vogel is like not going to solve anything. Beal okay. has still has his no Beal, like Beal has his no trade clause. He's absolutely like not going to just accept a trade anywhere, unless Matty Shpia just like pays him under the table with a great mortgage rate or something. I don't know. Like, is Durant really going to ask out? Like in short order? Bef- like I don't understand what this. I I don't understand like what the the lever pull here is that is. Here, I like this is kind of like Durant has gotten himself in this position where like this is just what where I think he needs to ride it out for a while, you know. Like where else are you going to demand a trade to to figure this out? You're not going to trade Booker. This is Booker's franchise. We just hit the Beal thing. They don't have like other guys to really trade. I think Vogel's a really good coach who's doing a decent enough job with a really weird situation. So like I just don't, Brandon, totally understand like what well, the coach the, thing is. Where I would look, I mean, how how? But that's the only. How do you look at what's happening and say Vogel's doing a? It is the I easy said, okay. lever. I'm. Yeah, it's, but it's fine. I mean that would be the thing to do, right? I mean, firing a coach just, when the team looks aimless is, it's kind of the obvious. It might be the easy thing, but there's a reason for it. I mean, I, I don't yeah. look. I'm not saying that that would fix what's wrong, but I, it's not just the team is performing poorly when the team is just bad i do think firing the coach is pretty stupid we talked about it with the grizzlies we did our kind of is this a little bit of rock bottom for memphis a few weeks into the season we were like firing taylor jenkins would be a really stupid thing to do because we know he's a good coach and everything else went wrong that's a situation where i think it's pretty dumb to fire a coach but when a team is coming out and just looks aimless and not ready to play I do think that's a situation where changing a coach can sometimes help because it's just a new voice. It recalibrates the chemistry of whatever's going wrong. And some, we have seen that if it's just a mentality an energy, a vibe thing, that is the type of thing that a new coach can sometimes fix if it's the right new coach. That's where my hesitation comes in is it's like, well, who the hell are you hiring? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Like, I, I'm not saying that that Frank Vogel's out here like being coach of the year because he's he's not been like the team is good enough for him to be in that running, obviously. But this is a guy that's won an NBA title that has been a really successful coach on a lot of different situations for a while. Like, I don't know who you're getting right now. It's not like there's like Quinn Snyder sitting out there where it's like one of the best five coaches in the league. You could just go higher and throw a lot of money at. Like, I don't understand like what that what you're fixing. It just that feels like. I don't really understand like what that would solve. The, to my to answer this question, I am not fully panicked because I just tr- I just believe in the star part of Booker and Durant so much. But the fact that it hasn't come together yet and it still feels like we're waiting for this team to kick into overdrive in some way and actually get to what they should be is absolutely 
a sign of some kind of panic or some kind of concern, right? I mean, the Beal thing is among the weirdest things that we've seen in the NBA this year, just the fact that he's not, like, had any tangible impact on this team yet. And that's just hanging over everything. And it's just like, ugh. Like, it leaves you very wanting of just, like, what the identity of this team is. Like, I, I look I look at a lot of the other teams that are contenders, Brendan. And the, you could look at the list that have been in gym. You could just look at the standings, do it that way. I understand the identity of, like, most of the best teams in the league. Funnily enough, the two teams in the league right now whose identities I feel the least sure of are the two teams that you and I primarily cover, your Phoenix Suns and my Cleveland Cavaliers. These are two teams in different, in very different ways that have ended up in a spot where I don't totally exactly know like what they're supposed to be at their best right now. And that leaves you in a place where I think it's really hard to move forward in, in some way. Yeah, and I do think when Beal comes back, they will lock into the identity that they always were going to have that feels like almost they've been reticent to confront or accept, which is just that they are going to be an offense first team, you know, and some of the lineup stuff and some of the schematic stuff that's been holding them back, it feels like kind of an overcorrection to try to go too far in the defensive direction. But at the same time, there is still the question of how bad can the defense be for them to still be a contender. And and they've, they've been worse on that end than I think most of us would have expected to the point that the idea of, okay, be a top three offense and then a, a middle of the pack defense and you can probably win a, a title that way. Even if we all are in agreement, there's still a pathway to the offensive side. I don't know if there's a pathway to the defensive side right now to even get to that kind of 12 to 15 range. I think that that feels like an uphill battle. And you look at some of the numbers, like when Booker and Durant have been on the court this year together, which is 405 minutes, the defensive rating is 119.2, even though the offensive rating is a 122. You know, and it, it's just where do you even look right now? Durant's defense was good early in the season. It has not been lately. He was not good in the Dallas game. Um, it, it, it just feels like the recipe, even in an ideal world, even if we project what that identity might be, it, it's, it's a little blurrier to me right now. And, and that's, I think, where the panic is coming in is like the best case scenario doesn't feel good enough anymore, regardless of whether you even think it's possible, which is still an open question too. So it's a mess. It's a mess. I do Let think it's you, panic time. Let me ask you a point of comparison. Another team that has had some strife in the West this year that has championship expectations or hopes at the very least, the Golden State Warriors. If you had to pick one that was more likely to turn it around and figure it the out Suns. this year and have... Okay, I agree with that. I don't I even have to... I don't even have to think yeah. because the talent, to your point, the talent is better, but... The Warriors are a more balanced team, right? Like, I can see a pathway for their offense and their defense to be good enough in a way that I don't think I can see for both sides of the court for the Suns right now. Yeah. I. So, I don't know. I just, like, want them, in, by extension you, Brendan, just to have, like, a normal stretch because everything since the finals has felt very just all over the place. And that can happen. Sometimes you win the finals and you think, okay, we have a window here. And then it's the window's not as open as you might think, or it's a lot choppier. The water's a lot choppier than you might expect. But that's kind of what has happened here with Phoenix, obviously. And they've been very bold and new ownership and all of that stuff, I think, is, you know, helped that. But I mean, their window was as long as Chris Paul can continue to be an MVP candidate. 
and it and turns it out that was shut. one season. Mm-hmm. And then everything cascaded from there, right? They had to trade him. They lost value on that trade. Everything sort of cascaded. So, yeah, um, we'll see. They have very small windows to make some trades. They have David Fisdale on this staff, which I don't think is getting enough attention from people. There's a lot of hype around Kevin Young because we know he was a finalist for the job, and he's kind of one of the hotshot assistants that people have interviewed in recent off-seasons. But David Fisdale left a pretty cushy job working under Danny Ainge in the Utah front office to come back to the bench and he has head coaching experience obviously and is 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 reputable as sort of a star whisperer you know dating back to the miami days so um i, I wouldn't overlook that but no question number four leads us to the warriors it's a little bit of a smaller one chris but it got a lot of attention on christmas day which is is steve kerr right that the nba is quote legislating defense out of the game and this was in response to Nikola Jokic getting a lot of non-shooting fouls piling up 18 free throw attempts and overcoming an awful shooting night to lead his team to a victory over the Warriors in a game where they seem to be pretty pleased with their defense against him we've seen this a lot around the league it's not a Jokic thing Everybody from Giannis to Luka, Embiid, Trey Young have all been kind of labeled with this junk foul drawing style. Jokic is not somebody we typically associate this with, but he certainly leaned into it and got the benefit of a lot of these calls on Christmas. Where do you stand on this? Because I, I do think NBA fans are, are pretty torn, and I think a lot of casual fans, this is one of the things that they like the least about the state of the NBA right now. I think the it has never been harder to play physical defense in the NBA, and I do think I feel very badly for players, and I tend to agree with Steve Kerr on this. I understand how we got here, right? Like, I, I think it's very similar to soccer in the sense that, like, and that's not a mistake, in that the way that teams, the way that the, the sport is going, it's high offensive numbers. You want lots of shots. You want lots of points. You want lots of action. You don't. You're scared of being in the era where it's where it's the '90s and gritty and grimy and hand checking, right? Like you, no one, no one deep down, like I think, truly wants that. But it's this is like video game stuff where it is really hard to play defense. Defenders never get the benefit of out on anything. There are lots of plays a game where an offensive like I, I look at I look at the best players in the league do this, and I get why they do it because the rules allow them to do it. They make a move that is actually initiating the contact or initiating an action that that then gets the, a defender in a weird spot and just because the defender like is in a space they get called for a foul and if i was like a role-playing nba guy who, whose job was to defend the bus players in the league you know how nuts i would go like how nuts you must feel just being like what am i supposed to do here i do think steve kerr is correct about this i do think that there is some legislation of defense out of the nba I understand, again, how you get here. I understand that this is an offense error. I understand that offense is what puts butts in the seats and sells tickets and all that stuff. I get that. I do just think like the, the, the pendulum has swung a little too far in terms of letting the offensive players have their own way. I think it, it included the real grifting stuff we've seen with guys like Trey Young in the last couple of years. But it, it extends it a bunch. Harden, hardens the, the case study of this. I think that stuff's like, 
like what are you supposed to do with that? I don't think that's like in the pure sense of basketball that I at least enjoy watching. I but I think even just beyond that, I think it's so hard to play defense right now and be anyone who uses any sort of physicality. And and I like often at least once a game when I'm watching any game, there will be a play that I will get frustrated at just on this half of the defender because I don't know what else they're supposed to do. And it's really the offensive player like creating a foul because of the rules. Yeah. It does kind of feel like we're at a point, if you talk about how we got here, where we probably do need to start taking into consideration tiers of physicality, tiers of contact, where I know it's common for like Lakers fans or uh, Cavs or Heat fans to say that, well, you know, Shaq and LeBron got fouled twice as often as they ever got credit for because guys just had to beat them up to even have a chance. Great. Great. That's what had to happen. You know what I mean? It's not fair. I think LeBron and Shaq did pretty damn well for themselves and and seemed like they overcame that. But we're at this point now where LeBron is probably the best sort of bridge to the era we're in, but we're now seeing an answer to the thought experiment question of what would happen if Shaq could dribble. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not yeah. just Shaq. It's like Giannis. It's not just one player, I should say. It's it's Giannis. It is Jokic. It is Embiid. There's like three or four LeBrons now between, you know, Harden and Luka and some of these guys. Even Tatum is, is pretty good at, at drawing some of these fouls. And Shea gets to the line at will. Again, it's a spectrum. I think there is some of the hands and reaching and timing and, you know, wrapping your, the hardened junk stuff and the spectrum of that side of things versus the, the more physicality side. The calls that I can't stand, and a lot of these were what Jokic was doing, is what you were talking about of initiating contact, being the one to put your shoulder into somebody, put your head down. The force is coming, if we're doing physics, from your body. Mm-hmm. And yet a defender trying to match that, bec- that becomes a foul. A- am I a little bit of a, of a butthurt Homer Suns fan who watched Giannis and Luka take my team out of the, the playoffs two straight years with a lot of that type of shit? Yes, but... Uh, it is antithetical to what I think like most people want to see when they turn on basketball. Shaq yep. would get called for fouls because people hammered him. These guys are getting called for fouls because they hammer their 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 defender. Bingo. That's crazy. I don't know Bingo. what the answer is, but that's that's crazy. What do we like? And that's where I come back to like you got to start to factor in. Well, that's Giannis. So there is just a, a higher barrier, a higher threshold. Uh, we are not going to call fouls on Giannis that we would call, call on other people. You might not ever say that out loud, but you have to factor that in because these guys are too physically overwhelming to be legislated the same way that other players have been or even are right now. I would love for this to, this to be something where we see a bunch of... I would love to see a bunch of different people that are like like think of role guys on on the best teams like i don't even want to hear from like necessarily like the best defenders like like i don't really like draymond i guess surely you'd want to like ask him about this 
But I would want to ask, like, Katie Bates Diop, like, a rookie coming into the league who's adapting and playing NBA defense, Jalen Suggs, Alex Caruso. Like, I want to ask, like, the best defenders we have in this league at all levels. Kata is okay, appreciating what? you right now. I love him. He got Jordan thrown on Morris. a list with uh, Caruso and uh, and Suggs. Kata Bates Diop's getting DNPs. He's like, hell yeah, keep saying that, Chris. Get me my get me my paycheck as Frank Vogel piles up my uh, DNP CDs in Phoenix. He he should he should be playing. Um, I get there's some offense. No, I get your point though. Guys, guys that are yeah. like the like, they're they're like, in the league to play defense. What are they like? One one once a once a game, I watch Isaac Okoro like go like this and like roll his eyes in the back of his head, and I just like Isaac. I get it, but let, let's like ask you like what? How would you want this ref to, as that would be fair to you? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, like, and I I bet you Steve Kerr is not the only coach who thinks this either. You know. No, like, no, no, I, no. I guarantee you there's a lot of coaches being like, hey, man, brother, fighting the good fight, you know? Oh, I'm, I think probably most coaches, unless you're a, Vogel. A, a coach that has one of these players, you know, like I'm sure Jason yeah. Kidd or uh, Mark Dagnall or uh, Adrian Griffin probably are like, no, nah, this is just how it is, man. Like uh, they get fouled. They're the ones doing that. They get fouled twice as often as they get called for a thing. But I don't think it's necessarily going to change, but I do think that it, it is time to maybe hold the hold the bigger guys to a higher standard, and and it it's just going to have to be that way. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what else there is to say. It's not like football where you can be like, if the helmet gets touched, if the horse collar gets touched, if it's below the leg, like the contact is kind of the same in basketball, no matter who it is, but the force of it is different. And I think that's kind of where you have to start. But I mean, you can't like release a NBA official video saying this year, these four guys will get legislated harder because we want to make the game more entertaining. <laughs> you can't really do that. No, I, I'm, right. I would also just be skeptical too that. Like, I don't even know what like the reasonable, like middle ground between like, not totally like, I don't even know what that looks like. I really like it's, I, I just feel for defenders. I really, really do. <clears throat> Last question. What is the right trade for the New York Knicks? Donovan Mitchell, uh, Isaiah for, for quickly three picks and Quentin Grimes. Evan Fournier okay. is expiring too. Three, there's, there's your answer. No, but for somebody uh, who does not live in Cleveland, uh, what is the objectively correct trade for the New York Knicks? Because we, we saw over the weekend some rumors about DeJounte Murray, I believe. Um, yes, that Mark, I can, and, and I can, Zach Levine and yeah. why they won't. They don't want to deal with clutch, right? So that's kind of a probably won't happen. Mitchell Robinson is out. Jericho Sims, who was supposed to be the replacement who played decently down the stretch, I thought, last year, um, has already been benched. The immortal Taj Gibson is back in Tibbs land and is playing backup five minutes at age like 38 or whatever he is. They're going to apply for a disabled player exception for Robinson, meaning that he'll probably miss the season. And then on the positive side, the reason to try to make something of this season is Julius Randle is back in line with what he did last season, an all-NBA caliber year for him. He's a little bit worse from three-point land, which does tend to fluctuate for him, but his, his approach has been good. His turnovers have been low still. And then Brunson is just absolutely on fire from three-point range, where if that continues, you know, the ceiling for him goes way up. So they beat the Bucks on Christmas. 
Mm-hmm. They've shown that they can hang again this year. Last year was not a fluke. Brunson is is just as good as he was. I think they have to make something of this season, and we know how important Robinson is. So how would you try to pivot with that news and recalibrate to add some talent and, and make a real run here? What would you do? Or or am I looking too big? And maybe you think the right trade is a, another role player. Where, where would you go here? I, I think the problem is the perfect star I would want just maybe isn't there. Like, I, I think you'd want a wing. Like, I think I'd want to turn RJ Barrett into, like, a better wing or Randall into, like, a better combo for it. And, like, is is giving up assets for, like, Jeremy Grant or something? Like, is that really moving the needle enough for me? I don't really think it is. Levine doesn't really totally work for me for them. Um, I The Murray thing is really interesting because... the the A, the clutch part of it is complicated. But, like, is is Murray Brunson, like, what you'd have to give up to get Murray, presumably? Like, is that qualitatively difference-making different than Grimes and and quickly in, Brun- in Brunson? Like, I don't think so. I just don't I really think like Murray him. fits with Brunson because he doesn't fit I with Trey. So why would right. he fit, you know, why would he fit with Brunson? Yeah. So I don't I don't know if there's a name that is actually on the market that I'm like super thrilled about if I'm and like I guess I would like maybe call the Wolves and just be like, Hey, I know you're really good, but like do you are you sure you wanna like keep Carl? Like are you sure? Like maybe try that. But uh, what's I don't think there's like a name on the market that I'm like screaming out that is a perfect fit for them. I think any of the names you could come up with that we know could or are already available, there there's some overlap, there's some imperfect fits for what this team is and what they're really good at. I think that's where I come up with as as having a problem with this exercise. There are three, I think, big constraints on the Knicks that make it such a hard team to find a trade for. One, the Julius Randle contract, where it's unlikely that you are going to trade him for the star because I don't think a lot of other teams will want to take that on, especially if it's a team tearing down why do you want an all-star caliber guy who uses so many possessions back on your team for long-term money which brings us to the second thing which is that the knicks have such a strong clear style of play already built around those two guys so if you are not trading randall and obviously you're not trading brunson who might be on the best contract in the nba you're finding somebody who has to fit with those two what is that player exactly doing when you have two guys who are, you know, 25 to 30 plus percent usage. And that brings us to the third thing, which to me is, is, is Tibbs. And the fact that they, I mean, again, it's kind of both things together, right? Like they have a whole rotation. It's not like they have a clear hole. They just have a whole rotation. That's like 45 win caliber. Good. So you obviously want to improve on that. And then from a Tibbs standpoint, it's like they have to be able to play the way he wants to play. And we just saw Cherico Sims is like an athletic, seemingly harmless center. And Tibbs is like, no, that's not going to fly. Your 12 minutes a game are not going to happen here. I'm getting Tosh. You know what I mean? So that's a very small example of it. But is he going to want the names we throw out there? Are those guys going to vibe with him? Are those guys going to execute the way that he wants and, and make sense with this roster? So... It's almost like they have to trade for a star. Like the only way to get better from where they are is to combine a bunch of that stuff to get a star. There's not really like a piecemeal thing. I mean, if you told me they got a shooter, Chris, I'd be like, okay, like 
great. Uh, that'll make them better. That'll make every team better. But besides that, or some sort of additional five or front court option, mm-hmm. it's almost like the only thing left to do is get a star because there's not another need really. And and that's a super strange place to be. And it puts a lot of pressure um, because I mean, winning 45 games is fun, but the young guys start to get paid. The older guys contracts run out and the flexibility kind of leaves you. It, it, they're very, they're in this moment where we know they have to do something. And it's just like a kind of a big shrug as to what that would even look like to me, at least. I also just think that there is something with this team where I, I do wonder like how I, I wonder how aggressive they should be in the sense that like to go back to Boston, like I, I, I know they beat they just beat the Bucks, but if you look at the top two teams in the East, they haven't they hadn't beaten the Bucks in a while. And yesterday was kind of like a, a breakthrough for them. They just lost them like last week and in the NBA Cup, obviously. I don't think they match up well with the Celtics at all in a playoff series. I think they're gonna have some real problems when they when it comes to like their defensive strengths are not gonna fit well against Boston. And do they even have defensive strengths as much with Robinson out, right? Like, that's, no, that's all yeah, kind of like, a question so, right now. So, so, like, if he's not there, and I don't really know what their job is trade, aren't you better off maybe just, like, I, I understand what you're saying, but maybe should you wait till the summer? Mm-hmm. Like, like, that that might be the best, like, path here is, like, don't force anything. See where you get. Maybe, you, maybe like, you're the team that tries to, like, give the Jazz everything in the sun for, for marketing, and you could, could try to convince them to take Randall, but, like, I don't think the Jazz should really do that. We kind of know that their offer is going to be huge, and I don't think Lowry is going to... I, I would feel for Lowry, he's like, I just would like not to be traded, then move, please. Can I maybe... I don't know if, like, getting traded to New York would be, like, the, his favorite thing, considering he's a pretty quiet guy. Um, there's just, like, a lot of yeah, complications th- with what they could do here, is my, as I think my problem with this. Yeah, and I think we're both getting to that point with our with our perspectives. I think if it is that they kind of only their their next move sort of has to be a star in terms of a a big difference making move, then I agree. Doing that in season with who we know right now is available, I don't think makes a lot of sense. Is there anybody in a smaller move that you think like, because I'm saying I don't think a smaller move would make too big of a difference, but I don't know if you agree. Is there somebody that you look around and you're like, well, if they could get that or that guy or that type of player, maybe they could make a conference finals run? Because um, last year, it, it really became the Brunson show by the end. Randall got hurt. Grimes start, stopped making any shots. It was like, we're going to control the paint and Brunson's going to go off. And they still got to this game six against Miami in the second round. Can I ask you one other big name actually before I give you a small name? Should they like? Should they be trying to call about like Pesiakam or OG? Would that would the, would either? I of think those Ananobi. They were interested in Ananobi last year, and I do think he is somebody where he checks the box of like, would Tibbs embrace him? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, we know that. Um, I'm not sure what the trade is because I think if Toronto were to be moving guys like that, they're probably kind of in teardown mode. So that's the mm-hmm. other thing with the Knicks is everybody's on a long contract basically already, except for quickly. So he's probably going out in any deal. But then what else? Does a team want Josh Hart's money for the next four years? Does a team want DiVincenzo's money for the next four years? Robinson's money, Randall's money, Barrett's money. Everybody's been paid. 
So you're not giving a team like this hot potato contract where they can just say goodbye to that salary commitment. You're kind of like, all right, now this is your problem. Thanks for OG and Anobi. You know what I mean? That, that's the tough part too. Yeah, that's that's. I I don't know if there's exactly an even. And it's like I guess like Grimes is also really cheap. But like if you someone trades for him, you're True. gonna just be like you're gonna extend him. Like he's really he's good. cheap, and so that's why he's valuable. But you also need the high highly paid guys to make yeah. deals work, right? So that's that's yeah, and, it's, a, it's a weird spot. Yeah, and like again, like if you trade for Grimes, you should just be planning on extending him. But then are you actually trading for like two big contracts sneakily, even with a, like yeah. It's not easy. I I don't know. I, I if there's like a five million dollar center they could go get, that would maybe be the answer I would give you here. Is just go get another center who's better than Jericho Sims, and but even then, it's like, am I really like pushing to give up a, a real asset for that? I, I am absolutely not. I'm probably just waiting for the summer and then whatever star player we think we actually can go get get to, and like offer up something for. That would be what I would do. I like them as a. Boyan Bogdanovich team. Mm. Because one of the things, like if you're just kind of looking at how they could incrementally improve, their backup four is basically Josh Hart. They just get very small, and that's kind of the ripple effect too because we we know Randall's not going to play center. That's just, it's not what Tibbs is going to do. But if you're now talking about Gibson as a backup five or a piecemeal approach there... And then Hart is like a... I know they mix and match guys and, and everything too, but a, a little bit... It's not like Bogdanovich is some sort of defensive enforcer, but he's at least just physically bigger than some of these other guys. And he would help their offense and he could play with Brunson. He could space for somebody like RJ Barrett. I think just a, a, a big shooter could help them. Um, but that's, again, that's somebody where it's like, give up very little, he's expiring, keep it moving you know what i mean um, so i but i agree it's it's something small it's like an eighth man and they're probably gonna have a pretty low ceiling again in the postseason would be my guess let me ask you one last next thing that's a little more i think upbeat so jalen brunson had like an absolutely phenomenal game against the bucks 38 the yeah. most by Knicks player since bernard king dropped 60 in, in 1984 snaps the bucks winning streak for the bucks did did what Brunson did? Did that just like presage like how the Bucks are going to lose in the playoffs? Just like a, a guard just ripping them to shreds, defend like and just getting to his spots and scoring in that way. Like is this just like previewing something we kind of already knew was a Bucks weakness, but kind of telling us like, hey, like just don't don't forget that this is like a big Achilles heel on the Bucks, even if this team is figuring some stuff out to some degree. Yes, but specific types of guards and by that I mean guys who can hit pull up threes and pull up jumpers and then when you say that it's like well that was the, that was true before because true. of Brooke you know so I actually feel like the Bucks defensively I think Lillard's effort and awareness has been a lot better the past couple of weeks pretty much since the NBA Cup stuff I think he's kind of turned a corner the, the next time they played Indiana after the NBA Cup game I thought was their best defensive performance of the season and Lillard eighth was a defense. big part of that Giannis was a huge part of that oh yeah eighth in defense, eighth in defense, last defense two overall weeks for what it's worth last two no eighth in defense last the last, last two weeks still 20th on the year but that in itself mm -hmm. is not insignificant like they were down near the very bottom if I'm not mistaken um, they're like they're about even with like Portland and, and Chicago defensively right now for the year but last two weeks eighth um, and, and yeah. pretty significantly below the, the league average mark which is pretty good for them 
Yeah, and with Middleton being just sort of another option who has size and can defend some wings, even if he's not the kind of like defensive stopper we might have thought of him as pre-injury, I feel like they're turning a corner where they're a little bit more stable on that side of the court. And Giannis, when he turns it on, we know what he can still do. His blitzes to get the ball out of Halliburton's hands in that game were were wild. Um so yes and no. I mean, yes, that type of player can kill them, but that's kind of been the case for a while, and their bet is still, hey, well, we have our answer to that too. His name is Damian Lillard. So I would like to see a, a that that series though, especially with in the, in that NBA Cup game, how much Randall and Giannis were going at it. That was pretty fun. These teams having some some baggage with a couple high profile matchups. I kind of want that in the playoffs now. Just mm-hmm. sort of a random rivalry that's developed, but. I mean, look, I don't think it's negative about the Knicks. I just think, I think this is what most of their fans are thinking about. You know, we don't just, it's not just, oh, it's trades because it's New York. It's like they kind of set themselves up for this. And now push is coming to shove, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's all correct. I wouldn't shock me if we got like, like Celtics versus someone kind of random in the East, just because someone like gets weirdly hot and like, and maybe by weird, I just mean like Celtics, Celtics heat. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't shock me. I do want Bucks there. heat also. I I, I, think I would we like. Just, we all need that. Round one. Just right off. Miami's the bat. good this year. Miami's record is finally. They're not going to be like cellar dwellers again. They might get a you know four or five. Season. Here's so here's the playoff matchups. Um, if the season ended today, I'll do this both conferences. Let's just assume like the seven eight seeds get into the playing tournament out of the playing tournament. If that's fair, do with that. Sure. Celtics Celtics Pacers. Bucks, Cavs. Not, not just, just gonna say slightly. You're saying a team that has got has a one guard, if not two, who could hit pull up threes and cause some defensive problems against the Bucks. Cleveland does have that. Now, do I trust anything about them? Absolutely sure. not. 76ers, Knicks, and then Heat, Magic, the Battle of Florida. Heat, Magic would be 92-88 slogs. <laughs> <laughs> but on NBA, I'm here for I, it. I, you and I would have a great time with that, I think, personally. Yeah. And like and but and also really good Palo and Franz, like, hey, like you want to get thrown to the wolves your first time in the playoffs, like play the Miami Heat. Good good luck, brothers. All right, in the West. Wolves Rockets. This this by the way, would if it was the playing tournament, like <sighs> no one gets out, the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Suns are nine are all out, right yeah. Now. So like the Adam Silver is like screaming at his table. Did you know this like, time yeah. last year Portland was seventeen and eleven? Sure, good good for the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Crazy how much stuff changes to your yes. to your point. Yeah. Wolves Rockets round one in one eight. Nuggets Pelicans, Thunder Clippers, the Shea Bowl, uh, and then Kings Mavericks. By the way, we did not we did not discuss it, and it's not really worth it. But I love Doc Rivers just being on here. Like I told Kawhi that Shea was going to be this good. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Good job, Doc. Yeah, I uh, I love I love Doc's honesty and and then trying to decipher how honest it really was. But yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think both conferences are going to be pretty crazy, and I think trade season it, it always 
this time of year feels like nobody's going to get dealt. But we know, and we talked about it because our show launched during trade season this past year, that Mm -hmm. this is a trades and extensions league. And any team that wants to do business to clear its books, to add talent, to lose talent, to do anything, that happens via trade now, not via free agency. So uh, I don't think it's too early to talk about this stuff because every year is a big trade deadline these days in the NBA. And I do think the Knicks are going to kind of headline it because they have this desperation built into what's going on with them. And I just feel like we're like, the Knicks should just make a trade at some point. Like, let's go, guys. Let's make a big trade. It's time. Like, we've been wondering if you're ever going to make one for years. Maybe it's time to go out and actually do the damn thing. Agreed. I'm ready. All right. We're going to end there. This has been the Just Basketball Show for December 26th. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. Back later this week with another awesome episode of the show. Please subscribe, rate, review if you have not already. We'll be back with more Just Basketball covering all things hoops. Your fun, cold, open questions, all of that and more later this week. Let's see if the, the, the Phoenix Suns will give Brennan a little less to panic about by the time we talk next. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone, and happy holidays.